Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Knew exactly what to say, how to say it, in a way that she heard, in a way that she understood. Here we are talking about the miracle of Christmas and experiencing that. But you know, I want you to understand it's not enough just to know about the miracle of Christmas. We need to experience it in our lives. And I hope that this Christmas season is different for all of us. And that God from heaven reaches down and touches each one of our hearts. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you so much. The, the whole reason we celebrate Christmas is because of what you did. Sending your son, taking upon human form. And God, I just ask that you would allow me to communicate the miracle of the message in such a way that it transforms lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you today, here we are in week two of experiencing the miracle of Christmas. Open up to the book of Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. If you have your smart devices and you use the app version, and you go to the live events, you'll see our church there. And, and you'll see everything uh, that I'm going to share with you today. A great resource for us to use. So I want to share with you the miracle of the message. Last week, I talked about the miracle of the moment. This week, I want to uh, share with you the miracle of the message. And I think that it is captured in two verses here in Hebrews chapter 1. And so I'm going to read these two verses to you. I hope you have found it by now. Hebrews chapter 1 and starting in verse 1. It said, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times. And in various ways. I want to share with you three points today about how the, the miracle of the message. And the first point is this, that God speaks through history. You see, it all started in Genesis chapter 3. If you're familiar with Genesis chapter 3, that's when Adam and Eve experienced the, the fruit tree. We, we, we call it an apple. That's the fruit that we use uh, pretty much universally. But it was the words that Jesus said after they took of that tree. And what he, he said was that I am going to use the woman to destroy the serpent, to destroy the plan of Satan, to destroy all that is bad and, and all bad that is going to come. Two thousand years later, God spoke to Abraham with a ram that was caught in a thicket. Through history, we see that Joseph or God spoke to Joseph through dreams, a dream that his mom and dad nor his brothers were very excited about to hear that they were going to bow down to him one day. God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. God spoke to the nation of Israel through a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night as he led them in the wilderness for 40 
years. God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. Even though Elijah heard the earthquake, even though Elijah heard the roaring, it was through the still, small voice that Elijah heard God. God spoke to Hosea through his family circumstances. If you think your family's bad, read the book of Hosea. God called this prophet to go and marry a prostitute. Not to change her life, but to show Israel the way they were treating God. And here's what I want you to know. That regardless of your family circumstances, God can speak through and use that family. He doesn't look for perfection. He sent perfection. God spoke to Amos in the basket of summer fruit. You're like, oh, you know, why are you bringing up summer fruit in December? Uh, Does anybody here like strawberries? I love strawberries. Blueberries? Oh, blueberry. Pineapple? Um, Give me some pineapple. All right, mango. Any mango fans out there? I love mango. I love blackberries. Mm. I love blackberry pie. <laughs> yes. Blackberry cobbler. But have you ever gotten a bowl of fruit? I mean, you went shopping. It was the ripest fruit that they had. You sat it on the table and you were excited about your kids coming and partaking of the bananas or the apples or the grapes or the blackberries or the blueberries or the strawberries. And then a week passed and the bananas weren't so yellow. The grapes were a little shriveled. The blueberries had dried out. The strawberries were no longer sweet. That's the way God spoke through Amos. Is that they had been given this beautiful basket of ripe fruit. And they squandered it. They wasted it. They left it on the table. And God said, I'm going to take the basket away. And 30 days later, I'm sorry, 30 years later, the nation of Israel no longer existed until 1948. He spoke to Jeremiah through the potter's clay, told the story of Jeremiah going to the potter's house and watching him work on that piece of clay. And there was an impurity in it, and he, he pulled it off, destroyed it, put it back on, and made a vessel of honor. Not only did the nation of Israel go through that experience, but I would bet that many of us here today have had that experience where the potter took us off, squished us up a little bit, and put us back on and, and started working on our lives again. Sometimes those are the best vessels. Through history, God even spoke through a donkey. Now, you would have responded to God if he used a donkey. Josh, if Pedro would talk to me one day, I promise you, whatever God spoke through Pedro, I'm going to listen. This past weekend, I was hoping God would speak to me through deer. 
And he was doing sign language because I saw none. God spoke through hands that wrote on the Nebuchadnezzar's wall. You see, there is no lack of variety in the way that God speaks, the way that he reveals himself. He is not locked into one certain way, one certain place. But here's the reality that God has been speaking his message through visions, through dreams, through angels, through symbols, through natural events and many other means. Matter of fact, if you do any kind of research, you'll find out that God is speaking to many Muslims across the world through dreams right now. And you say, Ronnie, do you believe that? Yes, I do. Why? Because they're not going to pick this up and read it. He continues in verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1. But in these last days... He has spoken to who? To us. It's talking about Ronnie. It's talking about you and your family. In these last days, he's spoken to us. He's spoken to Crossroads Church. He's spoken to the greater Centralia area by his son. And then he clarifies whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. If you ever wondered if Jesus was created by God, this is the answer to that question. Jesus, God created the universe through Jesus. Now, that is hard to explain, but it's easy for me to believe. Point number two is God speaks through Christ. You see, Jesus came to reveal God and to make him known in a way that we can understand. Just as Chris Kringle was speaking in a sign language, in a language that that young girl could understand, God sent Jesus Christ to speak to your hearts, to speak to mine, to speak to your husband, your wife, your sons, your daughters, your mothers and fathers, your aunts and your uncles, your brothers and your sisters. He came to speak so that they could hear. But the problem is this thing called religion. You see, religion is man's attempt to reach God. Here's what religion does. Religion takes Christmas and calls it Xmas. That's offensive to us. I mean, why couldn't they call it Seamus if they just really wanted to shorten it? Because they wanted to remove Christ from Christmas. Spoiler alert. Jesus was not born on December 25th. I don't I hope that doesn't ruin anyone's Christmas. I'm still going to celebrate on December 25th. We celebrate a cultural Christmas today. But here's what we know. Jesus was born of a virgin. We know that the angels proclaim that to the shepherds. But Tony, while you were talking about that experience, and, and when you said the host of angels, I could just see them coming from the ends of the earth together and just overwhelming those shepherds out there, rejected by society, 
All they got to do was fellowship with the sheep. And yet God came to them and gave the message to them. So religion is man's attempt to reach God. Christ is God's attempt to reach man. And so what do we do with that? Well, for us that have been in the church, we have been exposed to Christ. We worship Christ. We seek Christ. But I hope that we don't make the mistake that Philip made. John 14, 9 said it this way. And Jesus said to him, he's speaking to Philip, have I been with you so long that you still don't know me? Now, let me tell you a little bit about Philip. Philip was called practical Philip. Philip was the one that came up to Jesus and said, uh, when Jesus asked him, hey, uh, what's it going to take for us to feed these 5,000 people? And Philip said, it's going to take a year's wages. We ain't got that, Jesus. He didn't say we didn't have a way to get the food. He didn't say there's probably not enough food. He said that we just don't have the resources to go get the resources. That was practical Philip. We believe that Philip was one of John the Baptist's disciples. And he and Andrew left John the Baptist and, and joined Jesus in his ministry. Philip was the apostle that Jesus said these words to. Let the dead bury the dead. That was practical Philip. I think that some of us approach God, our relationship with God, much like Philip in a very practical way, or maybe even a better picture of this is like the mom who brought her daughter to Kris Kringle. And what did she say? It's enough. She just wants to see you. And, you know, I think, unfortunately, many of us, well-meaning as we are, all we it's enough if we just get to see God. Not experience it. Not experience him in our life in a very real way, but just to, to see him. How do we do that? We come to church. Folks, there's one thing that I like to talk about is good, better, and best. There is a good way to come to church. There is a better way to come to church. And there is the best way to come to church. Now, you hear us say every Sunday that we are not just a church on Sunday. Friday, we were ministering to a family over in the gym who had lost a parent. This coming Tuesday, we're going to do that again. We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. On Monday night, the gym will be filled with kids playing basketball. Good, better, and best. How is that? Good, you're here this morning. Thank you. Maybe you're, you're a guest here and you're taking up the three-week challenge. Thank you for doing that. We're convinced that after three weeks of exposure to Crossroads Church, you'll realize that this is the church for you. That's a good way to do it. There's a better way, and that is to get involved. To not just uh, be here, not just worship with us, but when you hear about an opportunity to minister on Monday night to our community or on Tuesday night to a family that's hurting, be a part of that. I love it when I see people walk in on Sunday and then show up on Tuesday to minister to somebody they don't even know. That's what Christ did. That's what we're called to do. But but let me share with you best. See, good is when we come to church and, 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 and we want to be fed. There's nothing wrong with that. Folks, when I sit down at the dinner table, I'm hungry. And, and I'm going to eat whatever's there. Maybe too much. 
And there's nothing wrong with us coming to church and, and getting fed. That's good. The better way is to, to get involved, but the best way is to pour your life out for somebody else. You know, we, you are experiencing family worship today. All the kids stayed in here. There wasn't that mass exodus. The reason why we did that was to give our kids ministry leaders a break. Because we don't have enough volunteers in our kids ministry. And, and I just want to tell you this, that you want to experience church better than you've ever experienced it. Pour your life out for other people. Become a part of the, the bus ministry where you're driving the bus. If no other blessing happens when you stop by Plaza Verde and those ladies pile onto the bus, you will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you find out that you're bringing kids to church who recently lost someone they love. You'll be blessed. And finding out that someone that you brought got saved and baptized and now their whole family is coming to church. The best way to do church is to pour yourself out for other people. Well, you know, sometimes the way that we want to see God is we use worship music. I love worship music. Anyone else here love worship music? Did did we mention come back uh, next Sunday night at 6 p.m.? There's going to be some worship music going on. But here's the problem. Sometimes we take worship music and we just make it another genre. That's just another playlist. And we forget that it's life impacting. It changes us. It has the ability to take us from depression into a a life of joy. Maybe the way that we just want to see God is we want to watch God work in someone else's life. We love and we praise and we say amen when God performs a miracle, when God delivers somebody else from a a diagnosis that is no good. But yet we don't want to experience that in our lives. We don't want to go through that extreme. We don't want to risk losing all. To see God come in. We don't want to go through the dry years. We don't want to experience the fruit basket being taken away. Only to see God answer his words and bring a nation out of nothing. Giving them a swampland and turning it into the most fruitful land in the world today. Maybe the way that we see God is that we read God's word but we never let it change us. The book of James says this, that we read God's word and it tells us who we are. And then we go and we don't change forgetting what we saw in God's word. And here I want to share something with you, folks, that God's word will either change us or you will change God's word. Folks, I was in nuclear medicine school. My roommate was a Christian, loved God. I was a Christian. I love God. But we had a difference of opinion on one of the doctrinal positions in the Bible. And every night we debated for 90 minutes. At the end of six months, I had not convinced my friend. My friend had not convinced me. 
But what I experienced was that we would have the same exact verse and we would read it differently. We would interpret it differently. And, and what I've seen even worse than that is that we will take God's word and we will conform it to what we want it to say. We will make it help us feel better about a decision we've made, about a, a, a relationship that we're in, a job that we take. And yet, in reality, that's not what God's word says. Maybe the way that you just are willing to sit on in the church and see God is that you speak blessings on Sunday and curse the other days of the week. Now, folks, I'm not talking about the words that come out of your mouth. You know, it's easy for us to to make four letter words the problem. The problem isn't the four letter words. The problem is the heart behind the four letter words. That's how we just see God. But I'm here to tell you that God doesn't want us to be involved in a sterile, unchanging relationship with him. That is not what he sent Jesus Christ to die for. Here's what he did. The third point is this, that God speaks to us to transform us. The message God's word has the power to transform our lives. Christmas is a celebration of the greatest message ever proclaimed. God is with us. He left heaven. He gave up everything. He took upon himself the form of a man to do what we couldn't do. That is the best message ever. That's when we confuse religion with a relationship. It's all about having that relationship with Jesus Christ. When we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's funny how things seem to take care of themselves. But when we pursue religion, when we start trying to dress a certain way, uh, carry a certain Bible, uh, have a rules about how you can and can't worship, what's acceptable and what's not, and we forget about the heart of the matter, when we forget about why Jesus Christ came for all. You see, Jesus came to proclaim God's message that we can be set free from sin's hold on our lives. See, Jesus came to complete Genesis chapter 3. And Genesis chapter 3, when he said these words, that through the woman I am going to crush the serpent, Jesus Christ was the manifestation and the fulfillment of that. Last week I told you that God sent Jesus at the perfect time. When Jesus came to this earth, there was 300 million people on it. Today there's 8 billion people. The shame of it is not all of them have heard about Jesus Christ. The most important message. The shame of it is the 15,000 people or so that are here in Centralia haven't heard about Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to do. You flip over to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Here's what God's message does. It says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you break that verse down, it says between soul and spirit. Soul is who we are. The spirit is who we want to be. Now, 
uh, what the soul is, what is going to be separated from your body one day and will enter eternity. It's either going to enter eternity with Jesus Christ or it's going to enter eternity separated from Jesus Christ in hell. The spirit is that those that conversation you have in your head where you want to do good, but you don't do it where uh, you want to be a certain type of person, but you know inside you're not that person. You want to smile and you put on this fake. But behind that smile is dread, is fear, is worry, is hate, is malice. It says it separates between joints and marrow. It separates between the obvious joints. How many people in here have arthritis? I, I can tell you raise them real slow. All right. You knew it was going to rain earlier this morning. We, we've changed that. Arthritis is a bad word. So we changed it to degenerative joint disease. Yeah, it, it, arthritis is bad enough. Let's just stay with that. When you have a joint problem, you know it. If you have a problem with your ankle, it's obvious when you walk. When you, if you have a problem with your elbow, it's obvious when you try to throw something at your husband. But when you have a problem with the morrow, it's not so obvious. You don't know that your body is not reproducing blood, the red blood cells that it needs. You don't know that the white blood cells that are used to fight off infection in your body aren't being produced until you have months that go by or years that go by until finally a doctor takes a test, maybe even taps the bone in the marrow and does a test on that and realizes that it's not producing red blood cells or not producing the white blood cells. Joint problems, obvious. Morrow, not so obvious. And then it says between the thoughts and intents of the heart. Our thoughts are what we want people to know, what we want people to hear, what we want people to listen to. The intents of the heart, that's where we disguise it. That's where we don't tell the truth. And the reality is that God's word is what separates between those two. You may say, I love that person, but God's word tells you, no, you don't. You may say that I want the best for them. I hope they get that job. I hope that they're successful. But the word of God speaks to you and tells you, no, you don't. You want them to fail. You just don't want to say that out loud. It knows the difference between those who want to be at church just to see God and those that want to be here and want to experience the message of God. Some of you this past year received a messages that have certainly changed your life. The message might have been from the doctor when he said you had cancer. Maybe it was a message from your teenager that says I'm pregnant. Maybe your message was from your spouse who said that I don't love you anymore and I want a divorce. Any of those messages are going to change your life. I hope you ask the question, what is God's message to you today, the rest of this month, next year? You see, in the midst of those bad messages, there is another message. We find it all throughout this book here. 
one of those messages that nothing whatsoever can separate me from the love of God. Death nor life, angels nor principalities, things present or things to come. Nothing has the ability to separate us from God's love. That's a message that's worth receiving, isn't it? Maybe the message that we need to receive is trust in me with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your path. You heard me say that not quite as fancy as the uh, proverb said it, but in this way, in God's economy, it just works. When we do it God's way, you know, it might not work out this week the way we want it to, but if you'll stay with God's way, it will work out to your benefit. Maybe the message that God has spoken to you through his word is in the midst of life's betrayals and bitter messages, he whispers this. Forgive those who mistreat you. Oh, that's hard one, isn't it? It's easy to forgive them when they come up and say, I'm sorry. What I did was stupid. I won't do it again. It's hard to forgive before that ever happens. It's hard to forgive when you don't believe they meant it. Jesus recorded was recorded saying these words in Matthew chapter five. Eye for an you've said it's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know that that'll preach in some Baptist churches. That's why we got so many Baptist churches, by the way. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right the best person that you've ever encountered on this earth couldn't do it. That's why God made it so easy. And in the sea, confess. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Romans 10, 9 says, with our mouth, we confess that Jesus is Lord. And with our heart, we believe that God raised him from the dead unto salvation. Folks, those aren't two different acts. That's one thing. When you believe it in your heart, you shout it out. Maybe that's you today. You've never done. You've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Folks, it's not about how good you can be. It's not about how bad you've been. It's about the fact that we all are sinners. You're a sinner. You're sitting beside a sinner. You're sitting in front of a sinner. You're sitting behind a sinner. You're watching a bunch of sinners up here. Eternity is a long time to miss out when God made it so easy. Will you stand with me? Join me in prayer. And and what I would encourage you is, I don't know what God's been telling you the last 25 minutes, but pour that back out to Him. If If you realize that you've been... You've been one of those that are just content to see God, see him work everywhere else. But yet you've been missing and working your life. Tell him he wants to be there. He wants to show himself strong on behalf of you. If your heart is perfect towards him, that doesn't mean perfect. It means complete focused. Maybe you came in here and you realize now that, you know what, I'm a sinner and I'm going to die and go to hell. When I'm praying, I would, I would tell you, just pour your heart out. God, I tell him that. I'm a sinner. I don't want to go to hell. I want to take that gift that Jesus gave me on the cross. 
Folks, there's no right words to say. Just as I told you that those profane words, it's not about the four-letter words. It's about the heart behind the four-letter words. There's no right prayer to ask Jesus Christ in your heart. It's the heart behind the words. Some of you get saved with one word. It's a grunt that no one can understand, but yet the Holy Spirit interprets it. Some of you have been saying thousands of words all your life, and you're no closer to God than you were the first day. Cry out to God as I lead us in prayer, and then Tony is going to lead us in worship. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for the incredible message of Christmas. I thank you that you sent Jesus Christ. God, I thank you that for over the the centuries in the history, Lord, you spoke to the prophets in various ways. But God, I, I thank you that I live in 2021, that I've got a complete word of God, and I can see from front to end all your plan, all your intricate working in the lives of men. God, I ask that you would be speaking, that your Holy Spirit would be tugging. God, I pray that our church would no longer be satisfied just to see you, Lord. But God, that we want to be a part of watching the greater Centralia area come to know Jesus Christ because we gave up our comfort. We gave up just being simple. God, we gave that all up so that you can use us to work. Whether that's on Christmas Day when we feed meals, whether that's on Tuesday when we love on a family, God, whether that's on Monday when we're blessing people who are playing basketball, God, use us in any way. God, if there's anyone here who is yet to call upon you as their Savior, Lord, do not let them leave today. God, send your Holy Spirit. Use the words, use the music, use the people around them. And God, if there's any of us that came in today cold, came in today with spiritual arthritis, Lord, I pray that, God, your word would just would speak that away, that we would walk out of here full of hope and joy in how you will and you want to work in our lives. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 